The Start On Demand. On demand. Several restaurants in Winnipeg, including Silver Heights Restaurant and Lounge, are being targeted by angry Manitobans who say that they are supporting segregation and discrimination by supporting the vaccine passport, even though the restaurants can only be open unless they adhere to the rules. So we're going to hear from Silver Heights owner Tony Sawicki. He spoke with Hal Anderson Afternoons on Wednesday. And by the way, I went to Silver Heights and had their burger for the Burger Week, the achy, brecky heart. So I'll give you a review of that as well. And we had a lot of fun talking about spelling today because a woman in Hawaii got busted for using a fake Vax Pass and she didn't know how to spell the vaccine. I'm Brett McGarry alongside Greg Mackling, who's on vacation, and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Thursday, September 2nd podcast for The Start. McGarry and McNabb, Mackling is back next week and just heard in that newscast from Jeff Braun that Shang-Chi opens tonight. And uh, Loren, I, I got to admit to you, it's been, what, three weeks now? Maybe even close to a month that movie theaters have been open. I haven't been to the movies yet. One of the what? couch potatoes. Even I've gone. <laughs> That's right. Which one did you go see? Oh, just a stellar film named Boss Baby oh. 2. <laughs> Boss baby too. Yeah. And I was, you know, um, because you they have you spaced out in there, which is nice. I appreciate that. And I went with my youngest and a little mom son date. And uh, the only row we could get in was like the second row, you know, where you're so close. Oh, and which is, is, is okay for some movies, but I cannot sit there. Like I get so nauseated. So I had like, I had to do like that one eye squint, you know, like, so I wouldn't get nauseous yeah and just kind of sit there staring at this large man-sized baby <laughs> cracking jokes for an hour and a half so it was but it was good i enjoyed it <laughs> yeah i don't know i don't know why i haven't raced out and gone you gotta gone, go but uh, i think it's just because i've been you know it's a summertime and i like to to play golf and that sort of occupies the bulk of my free time but this movie i gotta go see for sure and uh gabby marchand was saying that she and her friend went to Grand Park yesterday just to get popcorn. They just went and got big bags of popcorn and went home. Have you ever done that? No, I, n- I have never done that. But it's the only, I shouldn't say it's the only reason I go to the theater, but it's the reason I go, if that makes sense. Like, it's nothing, I obviously want to see the film, but if it, there weren't popcorn, I wouldn't be going. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. Period. Yeah, I used to, I, for years I boycotted popcorn at the movies because i thought too expensive this is ridiculous i'm not it paying 15 absolutely it's insane and then but. uh yeah there was one night where and the movie that i saw i remember the movie it was unstoppable it was that one with denzel washington and chris pine where the uh the train is out of control oh yeah uh, going through pennsylvania and uh i thought i'm hungry this feels like a good popcorn movie i haven't had popcorn at the movies in years I'm going to do it. And now I can't, I cannot go to the movie theater without eating popcorn. Uh, one year I, I saw 55 movies in theaters and I think I gained 20 pounds. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Like I, to be fair, I go maybe like I actually, that movie was the first one I've done in maybe three years. And that pandemic aside, it still would be maybe a once a year thing. And lately it's just with the kids. Uh, like Lion King was the last one I saw before that, if that's any oh, indication. Okay. And you did you that was just okay that movie? 
Well, you just can't replace that original feeling feeling of that opening yeah. scene, you know? Yeah. You just can't. Fair enough. Now, as far as popcorn goes, we love popcorn. Uh, I don't know if you can classify it as uh, a vegetable, a serving <laughs> of veggies. but I it, do. <laughs> I, it's well, corn. Oh, there it is. But at 745, um, how many veggie servings would you now need to hit food guide targets? And, and I guess more importantly, could you afford it? Yeah, that's a great question. So Canada has its new food guide out, and the food professor and his team at Dalhousie have taken a look at how many Canadians are actually buying enough produce to match the recommended amount on the food guide. And so he's going to join us at 745 just to talk about, you know, it used to be like two servings of veggies and two servings of fruit, and then the the meat and the potato side and the carb side kind of weighted more when I was growing up, and now they've changed that a while back to say more veggies uh, for sure. And I think it's it's five or six servings, I want to say. Well, who's doing that for real? And more importantly, like you said, Brett, I mean, things are so expensive. I had to do a grocery run yesterday just to get ready for back to school and lunches and all the rest. And it's it's just a few dollars here and there. But there were certainly things where I would have bought them a month ago that I just put my hand down and said, forget it, I'm not doing it. And it just seemed ridiculous. And so uh, and actually, cucumbers... I was at Costco, said nine ninety seven, and I looked at it, and I was like, for these three cucumbers? And so I get to the front, and the woman says, no, it's for the whole flat of cucumbers. <laughs> and I was like, wow, now it's just being the op. Now it's ridiculous. What am I doing with a flat of, like, the bo- full box of cucumbers? But my, my, my first thought was, huh, like, I actually believe the price because that's where things are going, right, with shortages here and there. And you think, well, that's what happens every once in a while. Supply and demand stuff skyrockets. And so I walked away from the cucumbers yesterday only because I thought they were too much money. And in the end, hell of a deal that I should have gone in on. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes I, I, I get thrown off by the prices of things like i'll buy i don't know three tomatoes and it'll cost whoa sorry uh, i i got a new computer and uh, i have to figure out how to turn off the, <laughs> the sound schemes i don't even know what that was i just printed something and it says print job completed so sorry about that i'll hopefully figure that out in the next little while but yeah i bought like i'll buy three tomatoes and it'll cost me over five bucks and and i'll think well that seems pricey but three tomatoes will last me like a week if not two weeks uh, so that's not really not that bad. I just think it de- it depends on what you're buying. But I saw a lot of people when Sylvain Charlebois, who again joins us at 7:45, when he tweeted this out yesterday, there were seven people below saying, "I can't afford to eat what's healthy for me right now." And I really think there's going to be several people in the days and weeks ahead as we see inflation rise and all the rest. Like you can spread out that food and you're, and you live alone if you have a family, if you have kids, if you're trying to figure out who gets to eat the healthier food. Like you're making those choices some nights too, you know, in families. Well, they'll say, "Well, make sure the kids get the veggies at the very least." Um, that kind of decision making goes on all the time in homes and I really I wonder where this is going with food prices like it's some of it I didn't buy a single thing of meat yesterday I've got some stuff frozen in the freezer and I actually bought a quarter steer this year in hopes of saving some money and so I'm uh, beef is really really pricey a quarter steer from where did you buy that it, one of uh, my neighbor right behind me uh, sent out a message to a group and said she has a cousin who raises some cattle and would we like to get in on a steer? And I said, yeah, actually I would. And so I got three boxes of meat that came, all sorts of ground beef, a brisket, some roasts, a bunch of steaks, and um, 
I'm actually still waiting to hear the total cost of that, to be honest with you. I have the meat, but I haven't paid for it. Oh, okay. So hopefully it isn't a case of sticker shock where you're like, whoa, whoa. Too late. It's in the freezer now. They really got me. (laughs) And uh, just very quickly, we'll talk more about this at 637, but uh, Premier Kelvin Gertzen, what'd you think? Yeah, you know what? He came out with a pretty moderate tone and calm and immediately, I think, diffused the situation by nixing five bills that uh, caused much consternation over the last year for many, including that education bill. And so I think that, you know, they're setting the tone of, okay, a bit of a reset. I don't know if that's going to make people feel like they're in a reset mode, but they're clearly that's what they're going for. Like, let's, okay, let's dial back, pump the brakes. Everybody control your anger. We've got Kelvin. Let's see what he's going to do for eight weeks. So we'll hear more from Premier Kelvin Gertzen at 637. But up next, <laughs> this is a spelling mistake that made the, the headline at globalnews.ca made me laugh. <laughs> McGarry and McNabb mackling back next week. COVID 19 screeners in Hawaii didn't need a forensic expert, Loren, to spot one visitor's fake vaccine card. They just needed someone who could spell. Okay, so 24-year-old Chloe Morzak of Illinois has been charged with falsifying vaccine documents and providing false information after she allegedly presented a counterfeit Moderna card <laughs> at the airport in Hawaii. Sam Spangler with KHON2, see I'm spelling that one, in Honolulu has details. Chloe Morzak arrived to Honolulu on August 23rd. When she presented this vaccine card, screeners noticed Moderna misspelled with an A instead of an O and an illegible lot number that also looks suspicious. That's one indication, um, as well as other things that in the card they've, they've thought it was suspicious. And as, as they're part of being suspicious, they did their ec- excellent job of notifying us. Rozak is from Illinois, but the card said she received her shot from the National Guard in Delaware. The AG... Our quarantine compliance team conducted investigations, uh, contacted the appropriate um, state that does the uh, vaccination and determined there was no record of, of the uh, suspect that had been vaccinated. Special Agent Lau was unable to reach Mrozak by phone and she wasn't staying in her listed Hawaii address. After finding her profile on Facebook, Special Agent Lau determined that Mrozak had a distinctive tattoo on her left hip. On August 28th, Rozak was found by the quarantine compliance check team based on her tattoo at the Southwest Airlines counter at Honolulu's airport. Falsifying a vaccination card comes with a fine of up to $5,000 and or a year in prison. It's also illegal to sell or buy them. Two other groups have been busted with fake vaccine cards in the islands just this month. Norbert and Trevor Chung were arrested after authorities were tipped off to their fake cards. And Enzo and Daniela Dalmazo were popped for having fake vaccine cards, also for fake cards for a four and five year old who aren't eligible for vaccination. There may be others. I can say that there is still ongoing investigations of various um, false vaccination documents that has come through DKI. Um, and they are actively being investigated at this point in time. Now, if you're wondering where most of these fake vaccine cards come from, Online, the Associated Press reporting today that a New Jersey woman was arrested and charged with forgery for creating 250 vaccine cards at $200 a pop. Sam Spangler, KHON2 News, working for Hawaii. So as we can hear in that story, 
a whole bunch of people getting busted just in Honolulu. And if you just go or look up uh, in our newswire service here, Loren, just type in the word fake. I see that in Vancouver, a woman in Vancouver Island is giving away cards that purport to give the holder a pass from having to show proof of COVID-19 vaccination for non-essential events. Problem is, those cards aren't real. Uh, more than 3,000 fake vaccination cards were confiscated at cargo freight facilities at the Anchorage Airport as they are mm. being shipped from China. That uh, came in a couple of weeks ago. And uh, then there was, I see there was uh, even older than that, I back to uh, dating back to August 15th, there were problems in New York regarding these fake cards. So... Um, I, I was wondering when this was going to happen, and I'm not surprised to hear that it obviously has it, it, all throughout North America. The, the spelling there is funny. It is something to laugh at. The, there's a couple in that story we just played who made vaccine cards for their four- and five-year-olds, which you don't need, so you just got caught for <laughs> no reason. And I don't want to make fun of this. Like This is where this is going to go, I think, for some people, right? But I did instantly think of the McLovin card in the movie Superbad. Oh, they got yeah. so mad at their buddy for getting a fake ID and choosing the name McLovin. <laughs> you for- idiot! I forgot about that. McGarry and McNabb, Mackling back next week at 6.15, just after 6.15, in case you're just tuning in. We shared a story out of Hawaii about a woman from Illinois who got busted for using a fake vaccination card that said Maderna, M-A-D-E-R-N-A, not Moderna. Uh, So they busted her right away because they could tell it was a fake because she can't spell. And Loren, that made you uh, think of this clip. Hit my brand new fake ID. Wait, you changed your name to McLovin? Doesn't even have a first name. It just says McLovin. This guy's either going to think, here's another kid with a fake ID, or here's McLovin, the 25-year-old Hawaiian organ donor. I am McLovin. Now, he didn't, to be fair, he didn't spell McLovin wrong, but we just had to get that clip in, and I really got to watch that movie again. But today, for the Banjo Bowl tickets that we'll give away at 9.15, let's discuss spelling. Are there common spelling mistakes that make you cringe? Are the words you never spell correctly? Words you have to go back and double check? Are you like me? Do you have anxiety on publishing tweets in the event it goes out with a spelling mistake because you can't edit it? Uh, Etc. Anything you want to say about spelling? Let's go around the horn here. Jeff Braun, let's start with you. I rewatched Superbad, I think, two weeks ago, and that st- still holds up. Uh, McLovin's Adventures with Those Police Officers is by far the best part of that. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> Look who it is, um, McMuffin. <laughs> <laughs> light, light up, McLovin. Life short. Have a smoke. <laughs> um, but back to spelling. I-, I used to be an amazing speller when I was a kid. I would routinely win spelling bees at school. And once I made it to, I can't remember what it was, some sort of a regional tournament because all the other kids were kids I didn't recognize, so they must have been from other schools. And I got up, and my first word was ponies, and I said P-O-N-Y-S and was dismissed from the competition and had a seat. <laughs> ponies. Ponies. Y-S. Yeah. Blew it. I had an awful stage fright. That's when I realized, oh, speaking in front of 100 people is terrifying. So you you probably, so if it was just like there, you weren't in front of people, would you have gotten the word correct i would have oh yeah for sure i would have gone deep in that competition if i didn't have to look at all these people out in the crowd fair enough poitras uh well it's got to be lose and loose uh that's the one that drives me the most crazy uh but the thing is i can't really like be upset with people because it makes sense like 
uh, dialectically. Is that a word? Did I just make one up there? I, uh, I, I think I did. I'm pretty sure I did. Um, but uh, yeah, and then I'm complaining about people making words up and spelling them wrong. So I'm kind of stepping in it here. But hold on, uh, dialectically, no, I think it's a word. Is it dialectic? Dialectically, the okay. art or practice of arriving at the truth by the exchange of logical arguments. Oh wow! So I even used it completely improperly. <laughs> now spell so I'm just, it. Now I'm spell just, it. I'm just gonna shut up. I'm gonna stop talking. Because I'm I'm stepping in it here. Um, yeah, you are loosing this argument. <laughs> <laughs> but but I can't be upset with people because it like it sounds it should be with two O's, but the English language just doesn't work that way, and it's only one. So it's like something I'm always conscious of. Like whenever I'm spelling, I said no, it's just L O S E for lose, and then loose is L O O S E. So that's that's something I'm always and I always misspell immediately and definitely for whatever reason. My fingers just, when I'm typing it out, it, it's always incorrect, and I always have to go back and check that. So I'm, I'm always worried about spelling those two words wrong. Fair enough, and uh, yeah, that, that that's a pet peeve of mine. I always, in, whenever I have to spell the word winning, I end up trying to spell Winnipeg uh, every single time. <laughs> Loren, what about you? Well, uh, defense and defense, I have to always double check which one goes there. I don't know why I can't figure that out. My phone lately autocorrects all the your to you are like the you are like you with the apostrophe and then if i'm typing really quickly i don't notice and then i automatically have to i feel compelled to it just tell people i recognize that that's the wrong your i just put there because i want them to know i'm not an idiot but you know for years doing tv before we moved into web and i had to get back into copywriting where people would notice your grammar or spelling mistakes you know, you're writing your scripts, they would go into a teleprompter, and if my co-anchor, former co-anchor Heather's listening, she she has got excellent spelling and grammar, and I could hear her sighing every once in a while when she'd read my, like, can I eat? <laughs> correcting, like, my errors, and I'd be like, what? It doesn't change the way you're going to pronounce that. Like, it's, okay, fine, I don't have enough C's in unnecessary, but you're not going to halt mid-sentence and go, unnecessary. How do I pronounce this word now? And so we used to get in these little arguments because it would drive, you know, it really drives some people nuts. And I have had a hard time getting back into spelling things correctly now that we're in the world where other people are reading your stuff all the time. And um, Brett's got excellent grammar, for example. And I'm sure there's like 20 times a day he looks at my stuff that I write and thinks, I'm not reading that. I'm not reading that. There's no comma. There's no proper apostrophe. And this is frustrating. So... I'm bad at it all around. Yeah. I'm the one that makes people cringe. I will tell you that I don't get frustrated. Uh, if I see a typo or a spelling mistake, I just chalk that up to the fact that you're probably typing a thousand words a minute. And, and as we pointed out yesterday, Loren is a, a hardworking Terminator from the future who's been sent back in time to save journalism. I just <laughs> I can't I can't keep up with Loren's work ethic, so I would never get upset about that. Uh, I can tell you that I. You said Heather is a good speller. Yeah. Well, I surprised her recently. I used the word chagrin in one of my Instagram stories, and she thought that she caught me in a spelling mistake because I spelled it C-H-A-G-R-I-N, and she said, my whole life I thought it was spelled with an S. <gasps> no, you are correct, Brett, for sure. Oh, 100%. yes. Correct. <laughs> so I got oh, her. This is Heather's worst day. <laughs> Forte, what about you? For me, it'd be a lot. <laughs> It's two separate words, A space lot. And I, I, I kind of feel bad now because in grade seven, our teacher, our English teacher, hated when we spelt a lot, A-L-O-T, when there's supposed to be a space. And uh, one day we wrote it all over the chalkboard and she got so mad, she stormed out of the classroom. <laughs> she was 
furious. And <laughs> now, now, now I feel bad because I see a lot of smart people, even like online, and they will spell a lot wrong, and it drives me crazy now. So now I, got, I, I feel bad. I feel bad about it. <laughs> uh, you were just, how, what, what grade was that? Seven. Ah, you're just being kids. Just being mischievous teenagers. That, I think that's fine. You could have wrote something a lot worse on the board, I'll say that. Yeah, uh, indeed. <laughs> a lot worse. A lot worse. So text us at 204-780-6868. Just tell us a story about spelling. Uh, words you can't get right. Words that you hate. The, pet, the spelling pet peeves. Maybe you had a, a spelling bee misadventure like Jeff Braun. Tell us a story for a chance to win Banjo Bowl tickets. McGarry and McNabb, Mackling is back next week. Loren, I got to say, I think I think we are so lucky that we have a job where if we're having a rough day or a tough day or whatever, we can just turn to the text line and immediately find <laughs> something to laugh about. Like this story, this is a beaut. Talking about spelling stories today for bangeable tickets that we're going to give away at 9.15. Years ago, we built a cabin. After pouring the cement for the basement, I had some leftover cement. What to do? So I made a family rock. And after writing our four kids' names, then my wife's name and mine, I brought the family out to show them our new family rock. And, well, that's when it was pointed out to me by all five of them that I spelled my wife's name wrong. (laughs) She has one L in Allison, and I put two. It was uh, a one-time mistake. Oh, boy. I love it. There's somebody else that's pointing out, you know what, go to go online, go to social media, go to a site like Reddit when people write things like in arguments over whatever the conversation is, right? And someone inevitably in any thread, there'll be at least one person that replies, you're an idiot and gets the you're wrong. And then <laughs> <laughs> you can no longer listen to that person arguing because it's like, dude. I often, I often tell people that if they if they hurl an insult my way, I say at least have the decency to spell it correctly if you're going to insult me, <laughs> right? So keep your stories coming at 204-780-6868 for a chance to win those Banjo Bowl tickets, uh, which we'll give away just after 9.15. So we learned yesterday that Silver Heights Restaurant and Lounge and other restaurants were being targeted by angry Manitobans for following the rules. The goal was to call the restaurants to voice displeasure over supporting the vaccine passport because by doing that, they're, quote, promoting discrimination and segregation because you have to be fully vaccinated to go into a restaurant. So in other words, they should do the right thing and close their doors in solidarity. So I was in my car yesterday afternoon on my way back from my haircut in Transcona, heading to Silver Heights to try the achy, brecky heart for the burger week. And I'll tell you about that in a sec. Uh, Hal Anderson spoke with the owner, Tony Sawicki, who's also the board chair of the Manitoba Restaurant and Food Services Association, to find out just what's been happening the last couple of days. We're north of 200, 300 phone calls we've been getting. Um, and they're, uh, I would say, 95% uh, negative. You know, and they're, they're, you know, they're calling names and calling uh, racial remarks and, uh, you know, making reservations and then canceling them because we're following the rules that Matt put on to us by the health, you know, by a health order. Um, it's, you know, some are positive. Saying don't forget, don't worry about this. This is a coordinated effort just to really upset you guys and harass you guys. But at the end of the day, you know, you have 15-year-old hosts that are answering the phones and getting yelled and screamed at. But, uh, yeah, they're thinking that we're the ones who cho- are doing this on purpose. You know, these are orders that we actually got put onto us, uh, restrictions that we got put onto us. And for two years, we've been getting restrictions constantly slapped at us, and we have to follow or, or we get shut down or we get fined. And, 
and really no choice in the matter. But they think we have choices. And unfortunately, we don't have a choice. Our choice is either to close our doors again, which I don't know one restaurant that can actually do that, uh, you know, considering what we went through for the last two years, you know, of opening, closing, opening, closing. It's just, it's financially impossible for our restaurant to do. Yeah, I mean, he has to do this. He, he's doing it because he needs to, he needs to stay open. And so I was so saddened to hear this. I'm not surprised. I know that there's been mounting frustration in, in, from some Manitobans who aren't happy with these new rules. There's been protests that popped up in different spots uh, in Winnipeg and, of course, in, in different parts of Manitoba, Brett. And I think it, I guess what it just comes down to is is respect, right? That's giving someone the due regard for how they might feel or their rights or their traditions. And so I guess if someone who doesn't like these rules wants the other side to respect how they're feeling, then it works both ways. And to hear that a 15 year old is being harassed or called out or called names, you know, who's answering the phone, working her part-time job, just, and and that makes me really, really, really sad. And so it gets back to what we were talking about with Calvin Gertzen, the new premier's comments about showing some respect and I don't know if we'll get through this if we continue to hurl obscenities and meanness at one another. And Tony also added it's getting to the point where they don't even want to answer the phone anymore. I can't, it's interrupted business. I'm losing money daily because nobody can actually get in to order anything. And I'm, I'm afraid to answer a call because it could be something positive and it's just going to be somebody yelling and screaming and swearing at me my 15 year old daughter it's just a really dark time that we just got through so much dark times now we're right through it again for different reasons right and reasons that are, that are no control of ours and when he said that his 15 year old daughter that really hit me in the gut uh because that brings it home right and sean jeffrey of the restaurant association the executive director uh he also spoke to hal just after 2 30 and and he said like just imagine that this is imagine it's your child who's having to field these phone calls. You know, the hosts typically are 16 to 24 years old. They're trying to save some money to go to school or whatever, and they're, they're having to deal with these calls, and it's just not fair. Um, and, and I also commend Tony because anytime these restaurateurs have spoken to the yeah. media over the pandemic, they inevitably are the target of anger. Their comments are misconstrued and like they, they speak to us upon our invitation. So I don't think it's fair to, to come at them uh, like this. And there are thousands that are abiding by the rules, but the ones that speak out to us then, you know, become the ones that are the obvious ones to hit. And you know what, if you're really that against it, there are probably places you could find that aren't going to abide the, by these rules that you hate. And I don't, I don't want to push and sell those ones. I'm just saying, like, there's, there's, there's room for maneuver here, and it doesn't involve calling a 15-year-old girl and yelling at her. That's, you know, that's disgusting. And it's as we move forward through this, Brett, at 8.07, we're going to talk to the folks from Hockey Manitoba. And I just wanted to mention that because it's not just businesses that starting tomorrow, you know, like restaurants and gyms that are going to have to look at how they're going to enforce these vaccine passports. There's all sorts of different venues that are going to be dealing with this. And, and, and keeping in mind, some of those are also organizations are largely run and fielded by volunteers. And someone who's volunteering their time to help run a sport as a coach or whatever, you know, let's just remember that too, right? Someone who's doing something for free doesn't need to hear it either if you're that angry about it. So the full interview with Tony Sawicki can be heard in the audio vault at cjob.com right after the one thirty news yesterday. And if you want to hear the interview with Sean Jeffrey of the Restaurant Association, that was just after 2.30. By the way, the burger, the achy, brecky heart, 
was magnificent. I was re- I was kind of reluctant about the apple fritter brun or bun, but I asked some of the staff, and they're like, "Oh, it's so good! I, it's so good! You got to you got to get it." So I did, and it was awesome. It was it, it was it added this unique flavor, and it kind of made me wonder, like, what flavor combinations have I been missing out on over Where the years? Where has the apple been my whole life? You're thinking, <laughs> what have I what have I done? <laughs> yeah, so apple fritter bun, uh, sunny side up egg on it. Oh, it yum. was so so good and great service there. I, I always have a great time when I go to yep. to the Heights. So it's a wonderful family owned business that does not deserve to be targeted this way. Hey, man, I knew when I didn't hear from you for about four hours yesterday afternoon that that burger was good. I was like, uh oh, <laughs> he's asleep. gone down. He's crashed. <laughs> Food coma. I got. I sat down on my couch <laughs> and within ten seconds I said nope, and I just lied down and I was out cold <laughs> for three hours. So good, great burger. I can, I can hear I Forte. I can hear him stomping his feet in the control room because he just brought the wrong thing down. There was a little <laughs> gap there. Issues all around. <laughs> got issues it's all because around. he was waiting for me to jump in. I just can't. I cannot tell you where my brain goes for these three minutes at the quarter hour. I can't. I just, it goes. It's gone. I'm not listening. <laughs> it's okay. I hear that music and I start writing scripts and emails like i just don't listen it's terrible <laughs> well we're talking about spelling mistakes this morning or sp- just spelling tell us a story involving spelling could be a pet peeve a mistake whatever uh bobby's got a great story at 204-780-6868 loren yeah bobby texted to say i sent my 15 year old niece a text to wish her a happy birthday and to enjoy her day she replied Thank you. I defiantly will. (laughs) Perfect teen answer, says Bobby, because I'm guessing the niece meant thank you. I definitely will, but spelt it defiantly. And you know what? That worked too, I guess. For me, the the pet peeve uh, of spelling, the the pet peeve of pet peeves is similar to Cam had lose versus loose. For me, it's it's versus it's a pot with an apostrophe. And uh, that mistake I see constantly and it just drives me nuts every single time because it's the most it's one of the most basic things we learn as children in English the difference between it's and it is um and you know what the weird al yankovic he did a song a few years ago called word crimes and it's a hilarious video and it's actually like other there, there's one there's one thing he says that uh, one lyric at the end that he has since had to actually apologize for because it's offensive but uh i think for the most part they could use that in school because he covers so many things in 4 minutes uh and it's wonderful so uh keep your stories coming at 204-780-6868 for a chance to win bomber tickets. Um, somebody says, uh, I hate in Facebook groups when they put uh, delete if not allowed, but allowed is spelled A-L-O-U-D. Ooh, yeah. I struggle, can I be honest, with then and then. Oh, yeah? I know it's supposed to be like when you're comparing one to another, right? This, then that, or whatever. Yeah. I got that partly wrong, but I, I have to pause and like yell out the rule every single time. Yeah, myself. that makes sense. And same with effect versus affect. Yeah, that that gets that throws people off too. So keep them coming. <music> McGarry and McNabb Mackling is back next week. Loren, we are getting uh, a rare Thursday visit from Dr. Brent Rusin today. 
Yeah, so that news conference is going to come at 1230. It's with Dr. Brent Rusin, of course, our chief public health officer. And with them today will be Chuck Davidson, who is the president and CEO of the Manitoba Chambers of Commerce. Um, there is no subject line in this news release for what it's going to be about, but it, it will be COVID related. We can surmise and, and perhaps because the business community is there, it'll be a chance to get some more clarification on the vaccine passes uh, the vaccine access that you'll have to have to get into certain establishments. Of course, that goes into effect tomorrow, Brett. And uh, I think there are many people who have just some lingering questions about how it's going to work, uh, enforcement, and of course, maybe some questions about, you know, who should and shouldn't be on that list, if anyone. So we'll get more on that at eight o'clock or sorry, 1230. It's eight o'clock right now. Eight oh seven, close to uh, just a few hours. Uh, new vac, and as Loren mentioned, those new vaccine rules go into effect tomorrow, and they don't just impact a wide range of businesses like restaurants and gyms. Recreational facilities are also part of the vaccine pass system. Yeah, and so as we said earlier, there's this is of course is the time many are registering their kids for various activities and sports, and that might have people wondering about whether or not you'll be able to go to your local pool or rink, how it's going to work for vaccine access, how might these rules be applied or enforced. Peter Woods is the Executive Director of Hockey Manitoba and joins us now. Good morning, Peter. Good morning, Brad. Good morning, Larry. So let's talk about it. As you understand it right now, and I'm going to guess you also perhaps had to go to public health to get some clarification, how do these past rules apply to hockey and rinks in Manitoba? I guess the the biggest issue here, or the biggest concern, or uh, uh, how they apply is that uh, anyone over the age of 18 would be required to be fully vaccinated. So that would impact our program directly with the parents uh, that have been uh, uh, and coaches uh, that maybe have not received the, the vaccination and uh, would not be eligible to uh, enter the facilities, which uh, uh, becomes problematic at some stages with. Uh, um, you know, with their children or young children, they wouldn't be able to accompany them to the facilities. But uh, we understand and uh, public health has to make uh, the right decisions for the, the safety and welfare of, of all of the, the entire population of Manitoba. And that's the state step uh, they have taken and, uh, and will be required to comply. So what are you hearing from parents? Um, well, you know, there's a, there's a vocal group out there. Uh, um, you've got on both sides of the coin here, those that feel that uh, um, uh, that uh, might be an overreach by the government um, and have not been diligent and followed the uh, uh, the recommendations uh, over the, the last year to get vaccinated. So uh, that's a concern to them. And then there's others that recognize the, the importance of safety um, and uh, are, are happy that uh, the government has taken steps to ensure the safety of, of our members. Sorry, Peter, we, we're having a hard time hearing you. Uh, you're getting a little muffled. Um, maybe just to hold the phone a little closer. Can we try that? Yeah, I'm sorry about that. Okay, there you go. Much better, much better. Go ahead, Loren. I was just, so you were saying you're, you're hearing from both sides. I'm curious, have you heard from parents or communities that are saying that this will impact the hockey program, like they're not going to put their kids in to sport? Uh, most definitely. Uh, there's some that feel that way because they wouldn't be able to enter the facility if they don't have a vaccination at this point, and they'd be 42 days away from actually doing that. So uh, as well as parents that haven't been diligent, uh, you know, we certainly feel for them, but uh, um, it's necessary to get that vaccination, as we all know, uh, to ensure the safety of everyone. And uh, uh, along with wearing masks and taking all the precautions that are necessary, masks are probably one of the most uh, unselfish things that you can do. Uh, to ensure the safety uh, of not only yourself but other members. So uh, that is a concern, uh, you know, coaches and, and parents 
that haven't been vaccinated uh, will not be allowed in the facility. But we understand certainly that public health has to make decisions and the government to to ensure the safety of our 1.3 million people. And uh, certainly hockey is the main part of that. There are very few paid positions in amateur sports. Uh, so it's probably worth reminding people that hockey, soccer, basketball, so many sports are run by volunteers. Uh, it certainly is, and uh, that's the lifeblood of, of, of most sporting organizations. And, and we're putting an extra uh, tax on, on those individuals, that, uh, uh, and there's a lot of requirements uh, uh, for them. And, and I don't think uh, they signed up for a lot of these issues uh, um, but uh, we certainly applaud and, and uh, appreciate everyone that makes a contribution to our programs. And like I say, uh, the volunteers are, are, are very important to the, our operations. So just for one more clarification question, of course, as you understand the rules, Peter, because I, I know we're, we'll be able to get some clarification from Dr. Rusin perhaps at noon as well. But so any adult entering one of these facilities, rec facilities, has to be vaccinated. It doesn't apply to the kids, correct? Like even the 12 and up, they won't be restricted it, it's just the 18 and over no the uh, from uh, the 12 and up uh, um, they won't be required uh, although they're eligible for the vaccination this particular time or anyone that under 12 they wouldn't be required to uh, to be vaccinated at this particular point uh, so that's certainly a discussion point by by everyone uh, but under the public health regulations that would not be a requirement and do you know about referees before i let you go like i know sometimes there's teen referees is there a gray area there that we don't know the answer to yet uh, referees would be the, would the, the same thing, and depending what age group that they fall into. Uh, some of our programs too. There's mixed groups. When you get to uh, you know an U18 program, they'd be rolling over and turning 18. Our junior programs there would be a mix of uh, 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20. So there'd be a combination there. So uh, um, there's some. We definitely have some challenges. There's a lot to, uh, to digest here at the pack, and uh, I, I know everyone is excited about the opportunity to return to hockey this year. And hopefully we can do that in a safe environment. Peter Woods, Executive Director of Hockey Manitoba, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Peter, thank you very much. McGarry and McNabb, Mackling is back next week. And I am feverishly going through our text line trying to get caught up because we have so many Amazing spelling-related stories. We're giving away Banjo Bowl tickets in about 45 minutes' time based on your text messages, and I have been howling like a madman in here. I'm sure Jeff Forte, if he saw me on the monitor, thought, McGarry's losing his mind like James. James says, My issue is not with my own spelling, but with autocorrect. So often, I'll send a text, and after I send it, that's when I realize... That autocorrect has changed certain words, and I have to send a second text to clarify. True story. A couple of months ago, one of my employees was going to Staples for office supplies. After she left, I realized I forgot one thing, so I texted her to grab some pens. But autocorrect changed it to grab some... um... Oh, no! Well, if you throw an I in the word pens, it becomes something else. So imagine my horror when I realized what happened. I immediately sent her a correction. Thankfully, she had a good sense of humor about it. <laughs> I would be mortified. Oh, yes, that can happen. It's like when you send a text to the wrong person, which I have definitely done. And, yep. you know, you have to quickly backtrack. Yeah. <laughs> so keep them I coming. Mean, do you want to, you know, you got you to gotta be careful. 
What you spell and who you send it to. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever, if I'm, if I'm type, cause I, I've burned myself with that too. So now what, before I hit send, I always look and make sure that I'm going to the right person or that I'm not in the wrong chat group or whatever. Uh, cause sometimes they'll send texts uh, that are aimed, meant for you and Greg, but I'll put them in like the, you know, the Laker classic chat group or something. And they'll be like, what are you talking about, dude? And why are you texting us at four 30 in the morning? Anyway, for the past couple of days, Both Winnipeg and different communities across the province have seen protests pop up over the new rules around vaccines, vaccine passes, and mandatory masks. Yeah, so yesterday uh, there were protests outside, a protest outside HSC, and and some of the pictures that were shared on social media showed about a few hundred people in attendance. Uh, That protest prompted both the nurses union and shared health to speak out in their own statements with shared health saying they heard from staff who were trying to get in, who were quote aggressively harassed for wearing masks. And as a result of that protest, shared health says they also know of some patients who opted to cancel their appointments rather than approach protesters, which is unfortunate. I saw some comments on social media about people who were trying to get to see loved ones post-surgery or get loved ones in time for surgery. And so that caused a bit of a melee there yesterday. Uh, The statement from Shared Health, Brett, did go on to say that they want people to that they understand that they respect the freedom of individuals to protest public health orders, but said we urge them to do so in a peaceful manner that does not disrupt people's access to medical care. Winkler also saw a protest that drew about a thousand people. Here's what Premier Kelvin Gertzen had to say about the frustration that people are feeling. You know, I think there are opportunities to try to uh, to get those rates higher, but I really think it's not going to be by yelling at people. It's not going to be by calling people names. It's not going to be by going on Facebook or trying to shame somebody or pitting one community against another. This cannot be a Winnipeg versus a Southern community thing. Uh, at the end of the day, we're, we're all Manitobans, so we need to treat each other respectfully, even if we disagree. So this brings me, this brings me round circle to, uh, uh, to Steve's question. Caucuses don't always agree. Members of the legislature don't always agree. Members of the public don't always agree. After 18 months, I've just accepted that. I've accepted that there will be some people who will never agree with me. What I won't accept, though, is as Manitobans, we can't find a different way to disagree than by yelling at each other and screaming at each other. Let's talk to each other. Let's hear what each other have to say. Um, and what I would say to Manitobans, I'll encourage them to do, is get vaccinated, get vaccinated for your community, get vaccinated for your friends and family. If you do, you're going to help us keep businesses open, keep your churches open, keep your schools open, and not have the healthcare system overwhelmed. We have in the in the past, just last week, Brett, actually, I believe it was that we spoke to the mayor of Winkler uh, just about the vaccine uptake in, in his community. I'm just looking at the most recent data now. So for Winkler, for example, uh, there's about 39% vaccinated. In the municipality around there, there's 225 That's the arm of Stanley. And then you just go west to Morden, there's 67.5% vaccinated. So there's, you know, varying degrees of uh, vaccine uptake in that part of Manitoba and various degrees of hesitancy. And, you know, the Winkler mayor has said to us in the past, he he was really worried these public health orders would cause further divisiveness. He joined Global News Morning about uh, an hour ago. And, and here's a bit of what, what he, he had to say late. One of the things that I was kind of excited about is listening to our new Premier Gertzen's comment and the fact that he is wanting to listen. And I think one of the reasons why the frustration is mounted to where it is today is because Really, we haven't had anybody here to listen. 
And uh, so the question that I asked yesterday at the uh, group, uh, the meeting that we had, and we had, uh, I will say, all of the restaurant owners and uh, gym owner that was in town uh, in that meeting. And that was the biggest frustration they said, because it's a, I, I asked the question, like, why the rally in Winkler? Like, what are we supposed to do different than what is mandated? And the answer was simply, well, you're my first stop that I can go to because nobody else listens. So... Uh... I guess that's the question now. Do we feel like if we're if we're people who have been advocating for the vaccine and and I'm one of them, you know, I've double dosed, you are too, Brett. And we've been talking about, you know, that we didn't have a lot of hesitancy leading into that. You know, are we listening to that other side? And, and you know, where does what's our responsibility? And then on the flip side of it, you know, I do really feel Sure, you have a right to protest. I do not like the idea of doing it outside the hospital. I get that you want to do it the most high-profile place, but if people are concerned about going into their appointment, maybe missing appointments, maybe worried about surgeries being delayed because they can't get in or just don't want to have to deal with that, come on, that's not fair, right? I think I think we could all agree that's not fair. And maybe that, you know, not to sound like a child, that's what all sides have been saying for months now. That's not fair, but let, let, let's try to be reasonable about at least that. Like, you know, let's not, this, this is, this is really impacting people's life and death decisions on that front. And I just, I, that's what really stuck in my craw yesterday. Yeah. And I, I really want to have respectful discussions or conversations with those on the other side of this issue, those who might count themselves a protester, or those who might just be against the rules or those who are unvaccinated. We had one listener this morning text us to say, I hope that we see more of that respect that the premier was talking about yesterday. And then the same listener went on to insult me. Um, so I just said so much for the respect that you yourself called for and we, as far as those protests go, uh, that the one that was in Winnipeg was one of many that were happening across Canada. A number of them were in BC, for example, in Kelowna. Over a thousand people gathered outside of Kelowna General Hospital, and then there was a massive crowd uh, in Vancouver. I think they were outside of a. They first gathered at Vancouver General Hospital before making their way to Vancouver City Hall. And there's footage I saw on uh, the Global News Instagram from above. Uh, helicopter showing. I don't know how many people were there. It looked like could have been 1,500, 2,000. I, I don't know. It was a lot. We'll just say hundreds. But uh, and the, the, some of the people in that crowd were really angry and shouting at the reporters and saying, you should be tried with crimes against humanity for spreading false information. So uh, there is a lot of anger and it could be that they're just not being heard. So that's why I would rather just talk to you at a decent level rather than the two of us shouting at each other. Because as the premier said, shouting at each other uh, in, in any platform, whether it's on text, whether it's on social media, or whether it's face-to-face, is going to accomplish nothing because that tends to make the other person just dig their heels in more. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, that's been said too, people who are in the unvaccinated camp have said, and I've seen this on social media, I don't want to be bullied into it. And it works the other way. I don't want to be shamed for getting it or wearing the mask. I've been called names or going into stores in certain places, you know, sheep has been said or those nice masks, you know, and uh, I'm not, I'm not yelling at you in (laughs) the store for, in asking questions about what you are or are not doing when I see you unmasked. So I don't know. 
I, I don't know. We have, we have a responsibility, of course, always to listen. And, um, and it, I, you know, a listener right now is saying up until now we've been cast aside, mocked and laughed at. I definitely haven't laughed at anyone, but I, if that's what people are feeling. I get where the frustration's coming from. So I don't know. If the premier said, what do he say? He's setting a clean slate. Do we start the conversation again? I don't know, Brett. McGarry and McNabb, Mackling is back next week. And we've been getting a lot. We get lots of feedback. Like, we love to read your texts that are fun, but we also get a ton of feedback on the various issues, the various things in the news that are being reported on and being discussed in Today, Loren is no exception. Of course, we're talking about, you know, the fact that we're hearing that frustration. There's some people that are upset. Maybe it's about the vaccine itself, or it might just be about the rules that go into effect tomorrow. And a reminder, Dr. Brent Rusin uh, will be speaking about those rules at 1230. But, you know, we'll get some clarity on how they'll work. We've heard frustration from business owners who say their staff are getting threatened, right, from people who say, how, don't follow the rules. Don't you, how dare you ask me for a vaccine pass? And, and that's causing consternation. And, of course, there were some folks outside HSC yesterday um, sharing how they felt, and that had some staff sharing that they felt, you know, harassed just for wearing masks going into HSC. And so we're getting a lot of feedback on this and about the fact that Calvin Gertzen said yesterday, you know, the way through it for Manitobans is to have maybe more respectful dialogue and so i we've been receiving excellent texts from people on this and john texted to say well hang on it's hard to debate respectfully with people who believe covid is a worldwide conspiracy to control the populace help how hesitancy and conspiracy are two different discussions and that's coming from john and that's a good point right you might be hesitant for different reasons but then there are those that have just bigger theories that would fall under that conspiracy category and, and that is hard to contend with and then you know on the other hand we had a listener just now brett who texted to say hi i'm unvaccinated based on fear when i was pregnant i got the sars vaccine and my child was born with a disability perhaps it was unrelated not related but i do live with the fact that i won't know if my actions caused this to happen with all the changes with which vaccine is accepted and the controversy with mixing vaccine makes me feel uneasy i am hopeful that once issues get cleared up i will feel better about getting it and so i think we have to respect there are people with stories like that 99 percent odds there that was not related at all and we've heard dr joss reimer talk about the safety of vaccines for the pre- the pregnant right now and we know there's lots of studies that will continue to go on so, but i can respect a person who has a really personal moment like that brett who you know that would be the reason behind their hesitation and she's still hopeful that she will get it but just wants to see a little more so you know i'm i'm, I'm trying here is all i'm saying um and it's hard for some people because some of the comments get really rude and crude and and um mean well I and mean, this is the kind of comment that uh Well, I'll just let the the comment speak for itself. This listener weighs in and says, Hey, Brett, do you agree that the segregation is similar to that of Nazi Germany? The unvaccinated are going to be treated like dogs going forward. Maybe dogs isn't a good analogy as dogs will be treated better than the unvaccinated. Not allowed to do anything for a, quote, good cause. Also, are the unvaccinated going to get a green book like those in the past so that they can at least know where they can and cannot go. Hmm. So making the comparison to the fact that you can't go to a bomber game to no. Nazi Germany. Please don't uh, do that. The answer is no, I do not 
agree that those are similar. It's not even on the same universe. That's the kind of stuff that that I have a, that that I can, that like you can, how can I, I can't even have a conversation with this person because it, there it's clear that this person is so far in the opposite direction that there's no there's no chance of any sort of reconciliation there. Um, so, I but I appreciate that you weigh in and thank you for listening. But I, the answer to your question is no. That's where it gets hard. That's where it gets hard when you know when they're comparing the pandemic shutdown to. Uh, Nazi Germany, Germany or the Holocaust. I mean, various Jewish groups have spoken out about that. First of all, just saying how offensive it is and that the trend to do this um, is disgusting and, and wrong. And in fact, the Anti-Defamation League CEO Jonathan Greenblatt last year tweeted that just to compare this to the slaughter of millions of people in the Holocaust is wrong and has no place in our society. You know, that that's just, you have to learn, you have to have, be better educated, I think, before you go on and make statements like that. And so that one needs to get cast aside. There's lots of theories that need to be cast aside. I am, um, that's where I think people struggle in this debate because then you just want to tune it out because it, because it becomes so ridiculous and wrong, but there are parts that aren't. And so to Gertzen's point yesterday, there is a way to listen to some and have some respectful discourse and then maybe change the minds along the way of those towards getting vaccinated. McGarry and McNabb, Mackling is back next week. Don't forget... Last chance to get in on Banjo Bowl tickets at 204-780-6868. We are asking you to tell us about something about spelling, anything you want to say about spelling, whether it's a pet peeve of spelling, like when people get there, there, and there wrong, or if it's something that trips you up every time, like, do I use the word affect here or effect, or maybe you made a spelling mistake that got you in trouble. Tell us a story at 204-780-6868 for a chance to win those tickets. In the meantime, we want to continue uh, the conversation that we had last half hour. Uh, I referenced the the protests that were in uh, BC, and I've found a global news story here on this that we wanted to share with you. Uh, Loren, uh, because chaos and disruption outside the hospitals across across British Columbia and throughout Canada yesterday, thousands of health freedom protesters vented their anger over vaccine mandates and COVID-19 rules. Global's Emad Agahi has more from BC. It was advertised as a protest for health freedom by Canadian frontline workers. Happening in cities across Canada, the online posters were welcoming everyone to attend. Why we're attacking you? Because you're the ones that are feeding the masses. They took their signs and messages to the buildings where some people are hospitalized. And remember, we have rights. By mid-afternoon Wednesday, this was the scene right outside Vancouver General Hospital. I know that this group has identified themselves as frontline workers, but what I don't know is how many of them are actually frontline workers because we know by far the majority of frontline workers would not be protesting against something that we know saves lives and definitely would not be protesting in front of hospitals. 
Simultaneously, crowds, although not as large, took to hospitals in Prince George, Kelowna, and Victoria. This all despite the fact that the majority of British Columbians are fully vaccinated and two-thirds support vaccine passports. The vaccine passport, you know, it's a slippery slope of where things are going in terms of freedoms. If you want to wear a seatbelt, that's your choice. If you want to wear a mask, that's your choice. But I don't want to live in a police state that says I have to get this chip and I have to go here and I have to follow these crazy restrictions. Now, I spoke to some of the police officers who are diverting traffic here on Canby. They told me they were expecting only about 100 or 200 people at this protest. What they were surprised by was how many people showed up. We're here because we find it unfair that we are losing our jobs due to personal health choices. These women say they work in long-term care where staff will need to be vaccinated in BC. They're covering their face because speaking openly on camera worried them. We have the choice whether to get the vaccination or to be fired, which is quite unfortunate because last year's heroes and frontline workers are now this year's unemployed. Echoed by some claiming to be nurses. I've been pushed out of my job. I've been told that, oh, I'm just all of a sudden this huge risk. Although Vancouver Coastal Health says no one working in hospital or acute care has been told they need to be vaccinated. Amaragahi, Global News. So I, first of all, there's some just amazing sound in that story and the the accompanying visuals, uh, pretty incredible stuff. But uh, I think it's important to to share this and and because there's it's clear that that many on that side many of the protesters feel like they haven't been heard you know we had that we heard the comparisons uh the to be that will they'll be the unvaccinated will be treated worse than dogs so i don't know if this is a situation where the no one has listened to that side and now they're just it's like the you know that they say don't don't bottle up your anger otherwise it's going to come bursting out so maybe that's what's happening here is they they've they're just fed up and they feel like they've been ashamed and now they're they're no one's listening so they're, they're making themselves heard i don't know if i'm not saying that's what's happening but i'm wondering aloud and that was one of the spelling words we had earlier. I believe in this case it's spelled A-L-O-U-D. Uh, but I'm wondering aloud if that's what's going on here, Loren. Yeah, and I think, you know, like that that's part of it too, right? Like we've had a couple people saying that they just feel like they haven't been heard. And so um, I think that's part of what might be going on here. I I worry that because of that, frustration that's being expressed and again i really do feel like i this is a vocal minority um in winnipeg for example i believe this 85 percent are vaccinated right and so what you're seeing would be in in this in the smaller category there that's not the case in other communities where those stats are basically in reverse or flipped brett and i get that uh, i I worry that we just all stop listening to each other because it becomes too much. You know, like I've had to just mute entire conversations and people on social media feeds because I just can't take it anymore. And I so I want to weigh in, not to tell somebody you're wrong, but just to say like, hey, heads up, like that article you're sharing is incorrect or that's an old one or that's not even the, you know, the right reference point. And it becomes really tiring to just be working on it from that end. And it becomes tiring to be insulted. And so um, people might be feeling that way. Also, if they're unvaccinated, like they're feeling insulted. So I, 
I think we're, we got a lot of work to do here, not just on just the, the vaccination front, but we don't want to go down that path of becoming people who just simply won't listen to one another. And this is why we invite your feedback and invite conversation. And I, res- and I referred earlier to respectful dialogue. We had a text in our previous half hour where the, the listener asked the question, hey, Brett, do you agree that the segregation is similar to that of Nazi Germany? The unvaccinated are going to be treated like dogs going forward. Maybe dogs isn't a good analogy as dogs will be treated better than the unvaccinated. So I respond, we, we responded on the air, uh, no. But this person has followed up saying, I think comparing it to Nazi Germany is also ridiculous. The point I want to make is that the unvaccinated are starting to be seen as less than in society for making a very personal choice. I just don't want society to go down the same path we have gone down in the past where people hate one another. So I appreciate the follow-up. I think comparing it to Nazi Germany is extreme, and that's an understatement to say the least. But I, too, don't want to go down that same path where we all hate each other. But the problem is with, and with this one, and Omer also said, this is the most divisive issue I have seen in my lifetime. And I can't agree with you more, Omer, uh, because we've, we've gotten to that point where so many of us already hate each other, Loren. And I am wondering, how are we going to come back from that? That's that's the thing. I think that's where we we're at, right? In the sense of just there's the the vaccine equation, and the push will continue from health officials right around the world to try encourage vaccinations because as this virus mutates and different variants appear, it's becoming more worrisome for a lot of reasons. Uh, the message has been, and we've said it before, you know, like the, the difference here is that the decision impacts others because they're trying to control the spread. And so the decision to remain unvaccinated doesn't help get a control on the spread. So that's the science that's being used behind that, that I appreciate and understand. And at the end of the day, you know, the respect cannot degrade into preventing people from going to get surgeries at hospitals. We had a woman write to say she almost missed her procedure yesterday, her cancer procedure, and she's already missed a few because of delays within the hospital system. We can't have that happening. We can't have teenagers being in a restaurant, um, being harassed and yelled at. That's, that's not showing respect. And the bullying has to stop. McGarry and McNabb, Mackling is... Back next week, we got Banjo Bowl tickets to give away. Earlier this morning, we learned of a woman in Hawaii, 24-year-old from Illinois, who got busted for using a fake vaccine card, and she spelled Moderna, Maderna, M-A-D, not M-O-D. So that got us talking about spelling today, and we're getting all sorts of great text messages uh, from listeners, including Gary, who says, The bane to my spelling existence is the autocorrect feature. On one hand, it is absolutely brilliant. However, it does not understand context. And when I forget to double check or proofread my email, the adventures begin. There are many words that I struggle with, but I think one of my most consistent frustrations is around trying to spell conscientiously. Arg! I always have to pause and think it through several times. In terms of pet peeves, I think the misuse of the phrase in regard to... Too many people use in regards to, i.e. incorrectly pl- pluralizing 
regard. A small thing in the big world, but once you're aware of it, you can't stop looking and <laughs> you are too prone <laughs> to be bugged a lot. And he went on to spell every word in his final sentence incorrectly just for fun. Uh, so, Gary, thank you for that. And uh, in, I'm not gonna, I actually have to think about it when I, would I say in regard to or in regards to. So uh, thanks Who's, for the Can lesson. I ask who, how often is one? I mean, I, I don't know. There's certain phrases like I'll never forget getting a letter from my dad. It was about the, the phone bill. I had been using his phone card when I was in university and so he sent me the bill in the mail like highlighted with all the calls I'd been making and he put at the bottom regards Bob like instead of even like from dad or from love dad and so ever since then I've had a real hate I think that was just his way of him saying I'm coming to you as more of a boss situation here and you owe me $200 um so I've hated the word regards ever since then so I always every time people use it I just kind of cringe so oh, sorry. I think we're going with Chrissy for sure. the win here. Okay, so Chrissy texted to say hi, guys. Did you re- my- hold on before before what? you read? Did you have you proofread this one? Uh, I think so. Do okay. you want to do it? No, no, oh. no. If you want to, uh- okay. No, I can handle this. I okay. think I got it. All right. <laughs> In my job, I need to type the word tests a lot when doing reports and invoices, and for whatever reason, my hand always adds another e on the end of the word to make it say testes on the screen (laughs) my mind is not in the gutter intentionally but for whatever reason it just comes across that way pretty much every time unless i really slow down and think about it don't worry i correct it before submitting have a great day chrissy i'm sorry chrissy wouldn't uh, dr freud have something to say about that the freudian slip of testes well i asked james earlier when he when he said his uh, phone corrected pens to penis that uh, i said if if it auto corrected to that what kind of text messages are you sending there james <laughs> thank you very much yeah, chrissy this one had me just pounding the table uh, full blown laughter congratulations you win the banjo bowl tickets McGarry and McNabb Mackling back next week. Question of the day, by the way, at cjob.com. Brought to you by Credit Aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca, call 204-987-6890. Who do you think will require the most support for filling learning gaps as kids head back to the classroom? Students, 44%. Teachers, 33%. Parents, 22%. Administrators, 1%. You can cast your vote at cjob.com. So... You know, when it comes to to coaches uh, in our lives, I didn't I didn't play a ton of sports. I played base soccer when I was a kid. I played baseball when I was a kid. Uh, I played uh, lacrosse for one year and uh, sucked. Really? Yeah, wasn't no. my choice either. My mom <laughs> just said you're playing lacrosse this summer, and uh, I ended up pulling my hamstring, and uh, that that sort of hampered my already horrific lack of ability. Uh, but uh, I did. I also like playing basketball, and uh, had a couple of coaches in high school basketball. One was Scott. He was our coach in grade nine. He was a uh, uh, pastor in Transcona, but he was one of the nicest men uh, I'd ever met, and he was so good to us. And then uh, in grade t- grades ten through twelve, Scott couldn't keep uh, continue to coach us, uh, so we ended up with Mister Fogwell. And he was this sort of crotchety old guy, but he was super supportive. Um, 
of all of us. And I still remember, like, at first we were like, who is this? Who is this old guy? You know, because we're teenagers and we get this older guy come in and we think he's not going to know anything. But he was great with us and he, he taught us all respect and he respected all of us, all of our, you know, abilities or lack thereof. And uh, just wanted us to go out and, and have fun. So uh, that's what I remember. Mr. Fogwell. We're talking about the people we remember as coaches, Brett, because kind of like teachers, you know, when you get a good one, it really can help set you on the right path. And I think the same can be said for maybe instructors in dance or coaches in sports or music teachers, right? Like you get a good coach, it really can make all the difference. And we're about to set off on back to school next week and thousands of hours over the next few months will be spent on both in school, but also maybe the basketball court or pool or stage with your dance team or in the rink. And when it comes down to the people that help us through it, we, we want to talk today about coaches. They're a huge part of the equation for kids, which is why a new program is being launched for this year's hockey season in Manitoba. And it's not just about getting the right coaches in for hockey. It's about getting more women, more female coaches involved in amateur hockey. Kim Paul is the chair of female hockey for Hockey Manitoba and joins us now. Good morning, Kim. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Well, before we get into the program, I do want to say I can almost skate backwards and I can do crossovers in one direction when I skate. So I'm a little (laughs) insulted I haven't been asked to be part of this coaching program. I just (laughs) wanted to throw that at you. I love it. (laughs) <laughs> yes. Well, I, I feel you should sign up right now. Okay. For good. Everyone interested in coaching. So, <laughs> anyone interested in learning sort of how to play hockey, I'm your girl. But here's the great right. thing that's been happening in hockey. I was just reading on Hockey Canada's website. Females, the growth of females in hockey is huge. We just had the women win the world championship. There's so many Woo-hoo. eyeballs on women right now in sport, and it's so fantastic to see. But when it comes to female coaches, I know you're working to get some numbers on us as we get into this year. But in the meantime, anecdotally, like, do men still make up the bulk of coaches on the bench in amateur hockey? Yes. Yeah, we, we typically see, you know, it's been the culture for many years, right? You know, boys start off, not all, but the boys that are interested in hockey start off in hockey. And it seems to be the traditional transition as they play through the sport. Eventually, they just see themselves coaching. Right. So, you know, when you move into your association or wherever your family is then going to start, the dad's like, oh, well, I'll go coach my son and put my name in and so forth. You don't typically see the moms doing it. And I think it's because now where we're at today, the growth of the female game has really catapulted. And now we have more women in those leadership roles that we need to provide that culture for them to start putting their uh, names in the ring and their resumes in for coaching and stuff because we have now the experience uh, behind uh, the female programming with having female athletes have that um, background. So in launching this program, we know that you spoke to many current and former female coaches. What sort of stories did you hear about the challenges they may have faced along the way? You know, it's it's different, right? Like I find the culture uh, for the female coaches, it's tricky because I don't think they feel um, right now that it's the norm for them to put their name to an association to do coaching because, you know, you have to start somewhere with some experience. So sometimes maybe they feel, you know, maybe they would be overlooked or so forth because they hadn't had anywhere to start. Um, So maybe they wouldn't feel as recognized, which isn't the case. I think it's just they need to get out there and put their name out there. And we need to provide a supportive environment around them um, to keep the growth of, of the coaches going. I think, too, there's hurdles and obstacles when there's changes in life. 
because the girls, once they're done, say, college and so forth, they're either moving or careers or motherhood or all those kind of obstacles are just a different, not obstacles, but just different scenarios on how do we help navigate women to be successful with those types of things that they face so that they can still be coaching. We want to get into the program, Kim, but I, I want to ask about that supportive environment, you know, and I'm curious if there's still that perception, hopefully it's in the minority, but still a bit of a perception out there when it comes to the parents saying, oh, you know, they just always feel like the, the coaching in the, when they grew up, it was, they came from a man. And so they struggle to, to turn that over to the women when we have so much female talent out there. So many, you know, women who can step forward and do such a fabulous job. And I'm just wondering what the perception still is. is, is has that shifted enough now so that we can start throwing that support behind female coaching? I truly feel yes. Like I can even say in the leadership role that I'm in now, I feel fully supported and there's a lot of male people that are on the board and and in the hockey world and I feel fully supported by both equally male and female. So I do feel a culture shift has come and I just feel we need to create that new movement going forward of this, this coaching mentorship for these females to get them going and and just get the change happening, right? So I do think it's there. You know what? I'm just remembering now another coach, Loren, uh, was my grade eight basketball coach. The first year I played basketball and our coach was a woman, Madame mm-hmm. Scott. And I think when we learned our coach was a woman, we, you know, it, I mean, this goes back to when I was like 14 years old. I think we probably were like, really? Uh, a female coach? She was awesome. And uh, she was stern with us and firm with us, uh, but still respectful. And uh, I think... From my perspective, I think it worked out better that it w- that we had a woman for a coach because we were bad. We were really bad. Like we had two teams in our school, and uh, they we we had the good team and then the bad the leftovers. And the 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 coach of the good team he was he was mean, whereas ours was firm. But uh, she was she was still kind to us. So I'm just wondering, uh, you know, can do female coaches bring? a different demeanor or can they bring a different demeanor that could be more helpful than your, what might be seen as like the typical uh, male coach? You know, I, and I think, you know, that's a great, a great point because I do feel as though being a woman and having a daughter, I do feel as though when you have that female mentorship coach on that bench, she understands what it's like to be a girl. She understands the stresses and concerns that that little girl or that woman on that bench is having. So it's relatable also on that personal level, right? And also on the ice at that compete level, which is, which is a great compliment for growing the female coaching with coaching other females. So I do feel as though um, that is relatable for the females, but also when coaching a male, because we've had female coaches wanting to coach their son's teams. And I do feel they provide that balance on the bench um, of a different perspective. So let's talk about this mentorship program. What's being done and how is it going to work, Kim? Well, we're very excited to launch it. And and what we've found is we wanted to create um, a support group for all females. So we've actually reached out to to three female um, coach leaders, but we've actually grown it. And we've added now to a fourth. And I believe we're going to keep growing our leadership roles on our team as there's becoming such a rapid need for mentorship. We've had a great, um, a lot of people reaching out for the program. So essentially what we're going to do is our leadership team is going to create programs like 
let's do a start to finish, say from September to March. What does that look like for your coaching team? What is it that they need? Maybe it's things that they're not sure on how to handle a coach's or a parent meeting. Maybe it's the evaluations for tryouts. Maybe it's, you know, skills and development practice plans. Maybe it's on how to manage the bench. So the mentorship coach will go out to the association, create that relationship, meet the female coaching staff, and she will start creating a plan with that group of coaches, a succession plan from start to finish for that one year and help them achieve all their goals and feel comfortable in this new leadership role or current leadership role um, so that they can, they can maximize and um, achieve all the results for this season that year. Kim Paul is the chair of female hockey for Hockey Manitoba, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Kim, thank you very much for this. We appreciate the time. Yeah, thank you. And uh, Loren McNabb, Jim Toth, is coming up to check in with us in a moment. And I understand he's going to be talking to some coaches. Yeah, a couple of the, the women that are part of this mentorship program that are getting a bit of this um, training or advice along the way, they're going to join Jim and share their experiences past and, and hope for the future. And I'm not one of them, just to be clear. I will not be part of that panel or the program. But I know how to yell like coaching. Like, if you want to get motive, get skating i'm your gal and by the way when i said when i said the typical male coach i wasn't saying that all men male coaches are jerks or whatever i was just thinking of like a stereotypical you know hard or or firm coach uh so if anybody took that to mean that i think all male coaches are jerks that's not at all what i was saying Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.